sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. What exactly is a deacon? What do they do, and why should you care? That's what we're going to be talking about today on Ignition. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to set your faith ablaze so that you might live the adventure that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before we get into the topic of the diaconate and deacons, we want you to know that we love listening for you back. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us. And the easiest way to do so is by email. The address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Ignition. I-G-N-I-T-I-O-N at sfcatholic.org. I am joined via video teleconference once again by Dr. Bob Rice. Hey, Bob. Hello. Would you mind, just in case folks haven't uh, heard you on the show before, would you mind just briefly introducing yourself a little bit? And if they're watching, actually, um, if they're watching, uh, explain to them what that crazy spinning thing is behind (laughs) you. I'll start with that. Yeah, my background is kind of modeled after an I Spy book. Um, But uh, that is a a spinning helmet of Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I went to college in Florida. My family's down in Florida and we're very big Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans. So we're enjoying life right now. Yes. But it's still the fact that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have still have the lowest winning percentage in the NFL, even after the season. They just had. <laughs> really? So that just speaks. Yeah. yeah wow. It speaks to the pain of being a Buccaneer fan. So we're, we're having a, we're having a happy moment right now. Right. Uh, I teach uh, catechetics at Franciscan University of Steubenville. I do a couple podcasts. One is called They at Hope, Father Dave Pavanka, the president of Franciscan. That comes out every week. And every other week, I have another podcast called Speaking with Deacons, where I get to interview deacons, hear about their lives, and get a little bit of wisdom for my own formation. So, God willing, I will be ordained a permanent deacon in the Diocese of Steubenville, uh, in November of 2021. And, you know, Chris is wonderful. Chris has said, so what are you excited to talk about? I'm like, well, I'm kind of excited about being a deacon. So everything I share, I'm not so much sharing from an experience of the <laughs> diaconate because I don't have it. Probably some deacons are thinking, why did they ask me to come and talk about this? I know more about being a deacon than this guy. Um, but at least with my, uh, you know, catechetical studies, PhD studies, et cetera, and my own formation, I'm just excited to be here as somebody who's about to get to be a deacon. And I'm so excited. It's going to be awesome. Amen. So, I, and I think you're right. Cause I, I can't, I probably should at some future and some, uh, uh, at some point in the future, have an actual deacon on the show to talk about. <laughs> oh, being have a you deacon. not? You're horrible. Like I've had deacons on the show. Episodes, you haven't had a deacon? I've had deacons, but not talk about the diaconate. So I'm having <laughs> what is objectively a layman on the show right now to talk about the diaconate, but that's yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> So, but the reason, so I, I, folks, I, what I really want, if you're, maybe you're like, I don't care about deacons or I know all about deacons. Maybe you mm. are a deacon, maybe you're married to a deacon. So maybe whatever, um, whether you don't care or don't uh, or care a lot. One thing we're going to talk about too, that I want to make sure I, I I'm, I'm saying it, Bob, at the beginning of the show. So I, I, I remember, uh, it is a way of reminding myself for us to talk about this. Um, I think understanding the diaconate better is good on its own terms, but also helps yes. to understand the lay state, uh, better yes. as well. So we're not going to focus on that, but I want to make sure that we address it. So stay tuned for that, uh, down the road, but just to start with, um, maybe Bob, explain, 
So people might be familiar in our diocese here in Sioux Falls, as in Steubenville, um, there are permanent deacons. Here in our diocese, uh, the permanent deacon, which was reestablished after the Vatican II, we'll probably get into that a little bit, but we've yep. we've uh, had deacons ordained for many, many, many years now, uh, several decades, actually. Um, so relatively early after it was reinstituted, uh, the Diocese of Sioux Falls started forming and then ordaining men as permanent deacons. Um, more recently, just last week here in our diocese, as we're recording this at least, uh, we had three men, uh, we had five men a few weeks ago ordained as permanent deacons, three ordained as transitional deacons. And historically, for centuries at least, that's how many Catholics were familiar with deacons. That's men who are going to become priests and they were ordained as a deacon for usually about a year and then become priests. Um, so we're going to focus mostly, I think, on the permanent diaconate, but maybe talking initially just in the broad sense that would include the trans- transitional diaconate as well. Dr. Bob Rice, what is a deacon? <laughs> yeah, well, I w- maybe we'd start with a little bit of history on it since you were alluding to that, Chris, that uh, in the life of the early church, uh, the priests, deacons, and bishops were distinct orders. And it was not the case that you went from deacon to priest to bishop. In fact, in the early church, a lot of bishops were deacons first. Yeah, And so there's three levels of holy orders. We talk about the sacrament of holy orders. Here I have a quote from the catechism here. Holy orders is the sacrament through which the mission entrusted by Christ to his apostles continues to be exercised in the church until the end of time. So really, it's a beautiful way that the apostles are present and Christ is present through those apostles, through the sacrament of holy orders. And just as an aside, you were mentioning, you know, I think you're desperately trying to have listeners not change the dial, because if you're not a deacon, <laughs> I would care about this. Nice try. Um, but the, the point is that we all need holy orders as Catholics, yeah. even if you don't receive it. Like without holy orders, there's no church, right? There's none of these other sacraments that we participate in. So that's part of what we want to focus on is like, well, what what does that have to do with the body of Christ? Well, all of holy orders is that sacrament through which the mission is exercised. And it is, includes three degrees, episcopate, presbyterate, and diaconate. So episcopate being bishops, presbyterate being priests, and diaconate being deacons. And as I said early, they used to be very distinct in their nature and in the roles of what they did. And that was true for the first, probably as we get into the the first millennia of church history. What started to occur was when celibacy was mandated for deacons, and then the diaconate became a step to the priesthood, uh, the church began to lose this idea of what we call permanent deacons. The diaconate didn't go anywhere. We've always had deacons in the history of the church, but there was a period of time in the church that it became only transitional. You know, it was just a step. It was another move on the way to becoming a priest. And and previous to the Second Vatican Council, even, we had a lot of um, different layers, you know, of, uh, you know, well, I think some deacons disappeared a bit earlier, but even like monsignors or other things, like we'd often have a number of different titles that, you know, were kind of simplified a little bit more in modern practice. But Second Vatican Council wanted to reach to that treasury of the past. And by reinstituting the permanent diaconate, was doing so in order to shed light on the beauty of what a deacon is. Because if it's only transitional, it just seems like a deacon is a half priest. Mm. Truth be told, 
every priest is a deacon. You don't, the diaconal graces don't get washed away. You know, it, it's not like you need them anymore. Yep. The priesthood is built upon the diaconal graces, but by establishing a permanent diaconate, it gives us an opportunity to just focus on it more clearly. Uh, I, I like to compare it to, um, you know, our practice of Eucharistic adoration. You know, in the liturgy, of course, the Eucharist is adored, is elevated, consecrated, right, uh, consumed. There's that brief moment of elevation where, you know, it, it's held up for all of us to see, particularly as we sing amen at the end. Well, by doing the permanent diaconate, it's kind of like trying to take this moment of holy orders and hold it up for all to see mm. so that the church could more deeply reflect not on what it is to be a deacon, on what it is for Jesus to be a deacon, because Jesus is the servant of servants. That's, the word, that's what the word deacon means, by the way. It, it means servant. And Jesus said, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So um, we had this, as you said, a beautiful summary of 2,000 years of history, Bob. Um, I always had deacons, permanent diaconate was restored. Uh, Vatican yeah. II sort of reached into the, the treasury of the church's storehouse and pulled out this gift. Um, so I think most people's experience today then of the permanent diaconate, and not every diocese has it, but I think right. most, certainly most in our country do, not all, but most um, have permanent deacons. Um, they, they, most people are familiar with seeing the deacon um, assisting at the altar, proclaiming the yes. gospel, maybe occasionally um, giving the homily. Uh, but there's more to being a deacon than assisting uh, at mass or in other liturgical function, functions like baptisms, like weddings, like um, burials. Uh, certainly the, the liturgical dimension is an important one, but I think people may not be aware that it's not the only way that permanent deacons serve the people of God. Yeah, and that's really important because I think particularly in the United States, we have a problem with judging people by what we deemed their functionality to be. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's not uncommon in the United States after what's your name, what do you do for a living? Yeah. And that's actually, if you're not, it, that's, that's actually more of a unique American cultural thing to say. People usually don't lead in with their resume, but we do that all the time as Americans. Well, when we approach the sacrament of holy orders that way, um, it really diminishes the presence of Christ in that sacrament and in those men of God who have received the sacrament. So it's easy to look at, at a bishop and say, oh, he's the CEO. He's yep. the boss. You know, he's the guy that makes the choices. You know, he's the, you know, whatever, for, for good or bad, you know, like that's, that's his role. And then you look at a priest and like uh, regional manager, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, you know the, the, the local branch manager. Uh, yep. He's the guy in charge of this particular building and uh, he's the guy I'd complain to and da, da, da. And then you look at the deacon and you go, useless? <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's like the assistant, the assistant regional branch manager, you know, like, like what, is, what does this guy do, right? Because, and it's not uncommon, like there are a lot of people in the church, sadly, they look at a deacon and they go, wait, does the church need a deacon? Like you don't actually need a deacon for this mass to happen. So why would you have a deacon? You know, I mean, I, I think one of the jokes is a liturgical flower pot, you know, they just kind of dress the altar and, and they stand there. 
But it's not just a deacon problem. I mean, if you're looking at deacons that way, you're looking at priests that way, you're looking at bishops that way. And what I'd like to challenge everybody to do is maybe to take a step back beyond the functionality of the roles of these. Because otherwise, a priest becomes like a sacramental Pez dispenser. All I care is he gives me the Eucharist and he gives me reconciliation. And it's about the mystery of, it's the mystery of Jesus. It's the total Christ that's present. And you really see that beautifully in the priest and the deacon. And where you see that first manifested is, of course, the Last Supper. What are the two most dramatic moments of the Last Supper? Obviously, breaking of the bread, but also the washing of the feet. Yep. And, and there's, there it is. There's Christ the head, Christ the high priest, as breaking the bread. There's Christ the diaconate, Christ the servant, washing the feet. And how amazing it is that this high priest washes the feet, how he is both, you know, deacon and priest, you know, in this moment, you know, servant and sacrifice, all, all of these things. And so what the church is trying to do, and the church does this with everybody, like, you know, do we realize that the altar boys carrying the candles represent the angels, you know, that are giving glory to God, like everything in the liturgy has great and beautiful significance that lets us dive deeper into the mystery. So can a liturgy be celebrated without a deacon? Sure. You know, it can also be celebrated without a bishop, but the fullness of Christ is in the full body of Christ. And the more we can get that going in terms of representing the sacrament, uh, it's, it's a fuller sign and symbol of the mystery of the presence of who Jesus is and how Jesus wants to come to us in those ministries through the sacrament of holy orders. If you're just tuning in, in, you're listening to Ignition. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, talking today with Dr. Bob Rice about the diaconate, uh, the permanent diaconate in particular. And and Bob, I I loved what you were just saying about how um, we have to get away from um, uh, uh, not get trapped in sort of just a functional understanding, frankly, of any of the states of life in church, but particularly of the th- the the three different levels of holy orders. Uh, level being the wrong word, but people know what I mean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Because so because one degrees. Th- that's degrees, the right word. Degrees. degrees. Thank you. Thank you. Degrees. The three degrees. So one. Uh, I'm, I'm going to ask a question that really, in a way, you've already answered. Um, um, oh, good. So people uh, might look at you. So your information, as you said at the beginning of the show, your information, God willing, right. you'll be ordained yet. I mean, less than a year. I mean, less than yeah. six months. Um, yeah. So they, they look at you, you. You've got a doctorate in theology. Uh, you do youth ministry. You do music ministry. You're a theology professor, a catechetics professor. Um, you're doing ministry uh, right. what is what is becoming a deacon going to add to what you're already doing? Yeah, no, that's a fantastic question. And there's a beautiful quote from the Catechism that really answers that wonderfully. It says this, um, it is appropriate, so the permanent diaconate, which can be conferred on married men, that's me, uh, constitutes an, an important enrichment for the church's mission. Indeed, it is appropriate and useful that men who who carry out a truly diaconal ministry in the church. So it's, it's acknowledging like, no, people are doing diaconal type ministries in the church already. And in fact, I don't really know of anybody who's come forward to be a deacon. It's like, you know, I've never really done any ministry, but I think I dipped my toes in with this, right? right? No, like, of course, like, 
everybody's already doing it on some level or another. So it's not like I wasn't doing something and now I am, but this is the difference. So it's indeed appropriate and useful that men who carry out a truly diaconal ministry in the church, whether in its liturgical and pastoral life, or whether in its social and charitable works, should be strengthened by the imposition of hands, which has come down from the apostles. They would be more closely bound to the altar and their ministry would be made more fruitful through the sacramental grace of the diaconate. And Chris, actually, one of the questions I ask on my Speaking with Deacons podcast is, as I say, so you were, you know, you were, you know, they all share a similar story. I was in prison ministry. I was in RCA. They were all involved in ministries beforehand. And I asked the question, after you got ordained, what changed? Yeah. And many of them would say, everything. Mm. I mean, just this, this transformation of sacramental grace that takes that ministry. And I mean, you're more closely bound to the church. You're more closely bound to the altar. Uh, you have the imposition of hands, you know, that come down from the apostles and, and there's grace. I mean, there's a, there's a beautiful and wonderful grace that I cannot wait, cannot wait to receive. And so that's, that's the answer to it. And maybe there are some men, uh, you know, driving in their car or doing whatever. And they say, I've been involved in diaconal ministry. And I mean, again, the church, the catechism here says like, um, you know, it's appropriate and useful that you think about this, <laughs> you know, that right. like maybe, uh, maybe there's a way the Lord would like to elevate that or anoint that, you know, sacramentalize that, uh, in a way that would, uh, make the ministry even that much more fruitful. Um, and, and for me, that's, that's one of the excitements of it for me, Chris, is just to see what the Lord's doing. But, you know, I, I felt called to the diaconate even before I got married, mm. uh, when I was discerning my own, you know, vocation, you know, priesthood or marriage, you know, the Lord actually spoke kind of clear to me. He's like, uh, you know, married deacon. I was like, okay. And when I was dating, you know, my, my, you know, the girl that became my wife, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be a deacon. She's like, that's cool. Right. Um, it is a call, you know, yep. I, you know, I'm not doing it just so I can get better at ministry. Right. <laughs> I'm doing it to answer the call of Jesus. And I'm excited to uh, be a witness to that and for what he has in store. Uh, but I actually stumbled upon this later. Uh, it was only after being committed, convicted of this call. And I even wondered, I wonder why the Lord wants me to do this, but I'll do it because I know he wants me to. Mm. I read that and I'm like, ah, well, that's cool. <laughs> so I actually, I want to dive in more to, so you're alluding to, speaking about it, and it's evident in your voice, and for those who are watching your face, the excitement that you have personally <laughs> about this. So I'm wondering if you can share, Bob, more about your own personal enthusiasm for this call that you've received. Um. Yeah, I, I'm, thanks for asking that. I, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like getting ready to be married. I'm just so excited. Um, you know, it's been a bit of a path. I'm almost 50, uh, and I felt this call like in my early 20s. So mm. this has been something that uh, has been on my heart. And just to see it come together, just to see it happen, and there's a bit of an unknown to it, and I don't know what will happen next. I know it's the Lord's will for me because it would be a really dumb idea if it wasn't. Uh, you know, Chris, you mentioned that at least in my particular circumstance, I've got the PhD. I've got, you know, I, I do parish missions. You know, I'm, I'm out there. I'm, I'm, you know, at conferences. You know, like I think, again, some of the people that mistake function, you know, for 
the reality of it might say, oh, well, Bob, you're, you're already doing all that stuff. Like there's, you know, you're fine. You know, you don't need to do this. And actually some people, and I totally understand why without insulting any deacons out there, but they would get this too. Some people have actually suggested, you know, this isn't actually a good career move. Like you're, you're, you're kind of downgrading here. Like, <laughs> you're, you're going, you're going from like, you know, big conference speaker to like local parish deacon being sent where the bishop wants you to. And I find a real beauty in that. This is actually how I know it is of the Lord and it's mm. not of me. Um, one of my friends who's a friar, talk, a Franciscan friar, he says, you know, they joke that one of the charisms of the Franciscan order is the charism of downward mobility. <laughs> uh, that, that as we're following Christ the servant, like we get kind of less and less cool, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I realized that, like, I'm not naive to the stigma that, um, that deacons have as I travel around the country. You know, I've sat with priests and they, you know, or, or others, they just kind of start bashing deacons. And then I timidly say, I feel called to be one. <laughs> and, um, and that's all good, you know, because uh, the Lord is present in it. And it's, um, it's a draw of my heart. I, I'm so honored that the church is offering this. Uh, that this is even something I could receive. You know, I'm, I, I feel so blessed to be in a time when this has been restored and that the Lord is giving me the opportunity to fulfill all the desires he's put in my heart, to be a married man, to have kids, and to do a sacramental ministry in the life of the church. It, it for a sinner like me, <laughs> it's it's just overwhelming, and and I'm just thrilled. And I I hope I can be a witness to that joy and to that love of service. Because you know, Chris, at the end of the day, you, and you mentioned this earlier, it's not just about what happens in the altar, but it's what happens in life. And the deacon has a beautiful ability to straddle those two yeah. worlds. You know, we're we work at places of other people, like. Um, you know, we're in our communities, we're, we're at the soccer games with our kids, you know, like there's a reason why actually the church is the deacon say the final blessing because in a sense, he says, let's go. And he goes with them. Like he's going into the very places where the rest of the congregation is going. That's, it's not a better place. It's just a unique role. And I think something in terms of the new evangelization and the way we need to bring the gospel into everyday life uh, the deacon has a real profound role of being clergy in a lay world. Yeah. You know, not not half clergy, half lady, you know, but clergy in a lay world, you know, in the family, in the schools, in the places of work, and be able to have an opportunity to witness Jesus Christ in a way that others can't. And all of those opportunities I'm just I'm just really, really excited about. If you're just tuning in, this is Ignition. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, talking today with Dr. Bob Rice about the diaconate. Uh, Bob, we've got about four minutes left. Um, you, you, you providentially, uh, just a, a couple of minutes ago, you said how the Lord's been uh, grateful for the way that he's, um, the, you, you start with the desires of your heart. Uh, and it's providential because in my head, there's a question that I wanted to ask um, around that. So your own call to the diaconate. So usually the Lord does reveal his will to us when, when, we de, when we're desirous of knowing and doing his will. He speaks to us through the desires of our heart. So what is it about being a deacon 
that that really draws you? Like, can you name that desire in a more concrete way? And I'm thinking especially, Bob, of folks who might be listening, men in particular, who might be listening. And and again, in terms of the function, uh, they hear somebody who's already doing all the ministerial things, but you're, you still feel called to be a deacon. Uh, so what are the desires of your heart that in particular are, are awakened by diaconal life? Yeah, I would say for me, it's, um, it's about a growth in my spiritual life through a death to myself. Uh. And, um, you know, I've had, uh, I've been really blessed in ministry. I've been blessed in being a quote unquote Catholic celebrity, you know, all the, and all the trappings that go with that, to be honest. I mean, you know, when I was younger, I really wanted to be an actor or a rock star. And instead I got into Catholic ministry <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and that was a death there too, but I still, you know, the vestiges of that were still kind of hanging on my shoulder a bit personally. And uh, I, I wanted my name out there. I mean, it's easier to see this in hindsight, you know, than it is in the present moment. And I, and I don't want to make it sound like, and now I'm so matured, you know, right. I'm over it. Um, and there's a humility to the diaconate that I'm excited to be transformed with. I need sacramental grace. I mean, if there's anything I've learned in my life, it's I need sacramental grace. If I'm going to be married, I need the sacramental grace of my wife. I naturally love her but I can't supernaturally love, you know, Uh, we wouldn't have survived were it not for the sacramental grace. I need the sacramental grace of of baptism. I need the Eucharist. I need reconciliation, right? You know, I, I, I've really learned to be aware and recognize my own weakness and my own needs and just how good the Lord is by providing for all of those, especially through the sacraments. So then to have this opportunity, this invitation, this call to, dive more deeply into the servant mysteries of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, it's not uncommon that sometimes, you know, you hear about the priest acting in the person, the, you know, the, the person of Christ, the head, capitus, right? And the deacon is in the person of Christ, the servant. And that is something that I think would have repulsed me a while back. Yeah. And now I just find it so beautiful. Mm. And so I just know it's the, I don't know what's going to happen after ordination and I'm sure there'll be the natural, you know, disillusionment and difficulties and struggles that are there, but I know it's the next step for me. I know it. I know it. I know it. And I know God's plans for me are for my welfare and not for my woe yeah. to give me a hope and a future. I know Bob Rice dies a bit, you know, the Bob Rice trademark celebrity dies uh, when I get ordained mm. and uh, I'll have an Irish wake at that funeral in celebration of the new life of Deacon Bob Rice <laughs> and whatever the Lord is calling, uh, you know, for that ministry. I just can't wait to see what the, God's going to do. So you will not become the Dwight Schrute of the church. <laughs> the assistant to the, the assistant. assistant. Glad you picked up on that reference earlier. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, God willing, no. <laughs> but, but rather you will be more deeply conformed to Jesus Christ, the servant. Yes. Amen. Amen. That's beautiful. Bob, thank you for uh, not only sharing your knowledge and understanding of the diaconate, but also your personal enthusiasm and excitement about it. 
And sometime you should get a deacon on here to talk about it. That would <laughs> I will too. do that. <laughs> Folks, and if you're listening to the Diocese of Sioux Falls, and maybe uh, you're a man who feels, am I called to this? Deacon John Devlin is the man to contact here in the Diocese of Sioux Falls. And that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, may God bless you. <laughs>